it still uh, amazes me that uh, I had the opportunity to be in Bethlehem and not then, but uh, to be in Bethlehem and to actually see sheep out in the, well, we call them fields. They look kind of dry and scrubby to me, but uh, see the shepherds out tending the sheep and to recognize it could have been on that very hill that the angels appeared to those shepherds. To be able to be there, to experience it, to recognize that it's not just a fable, a myth that we learn, a story that we tell each year, uh, but it is in fact based in history. It's based in reality. And when we read through these Christmas stories, when we hear the Advent readings, um, these are not we're not talking about Santa Claus. We're not talking about elves on a shelf. We're not talking about Rudolph and Frosty. Uh, we're talking about something. We're talking about someone uh, who came. It was a very real thing. It was a very raw thing. It was a very uh, earthy thing that took place. And we need to recognize that our faith is not anchored to myth. Our faith is anchored to a God who acts in history. And that's what we see all throughout Scripture, is God acting in history. And the story that we read shows us that God is not finished, that he will continue to act in history until he brings all of this that we know of to a close. And that day is coming, and we have a promise from him, and that promise includes a peace, a peace that we can already begin to know. Today, we want to consider the peace that God promises, the peace that God offers to us in Jesus Christ. But I'd like to do it by pointing back uh, a few more than 100 years ago. Uh, some of you may be familiar with the Christmas truce of 1914. Some of you may not. Uh, none of you were there to remember it firsthand, but it's a story that's been passed on that also has its its uh, anchor in something that happened historically during World War One. As the story goes, uh, if, if, if any of you are familiar with World War I, um, this is where we came to know what trench warfare was all about, where each side dug their trenches and battles would be fought and, and ground would be grained very, very slowly. And between the trenches, between the Germans and and the British and Americans and, and French, between those trenches was called a no-man's land. And it was called no-man's land because if you entered that during the battle, surely you, you were going to be lost. And it was, it was a bloody, bloody conflict. But in 1914, only five months after the war had begun, um, the Pope called for a truce. It wasn't honored everywhere, but... In places along the lines, in the trenches, there were segments of both Germans and, and primarily British troops that observed a bit of a truce. A few hours. The way the story goes is that on Christmas Eve, that you could hear in the trenches Christmas songs, Christmas carols being sung. And... On Christmas morning, at first light of day, some say it was German, some say it was British troops, but either way, 
a few troops would begin to emerge with their hands up, shouting across no man's land, Merry Christmas. And some of those, they got up and they began to walk out. And as you, matter, you can imagine, panic would ensue. And, but when the opposing line saw that they were unarmed, a few of them began to come out. And in certain places along that battle line, Germans and British troops met. They exchanged Christmas greetings in 1914. They exchanged pictures of their family that they were carrying with them. And it is recorded that at some places there was even a soccer match that broke out between the two opposing sides. Now, this is a a neat story, and you can look it up, and you can find the details uh, going back and forth. Uh, As a matter of fact, what we discover is that even five months into this war, there were already a million dead on both sides. And by the time World War I ended, 17 million military personnel and civilians died in World War I, it was, it was a bloody, awful conflict. And in the midst of that, for a few brief hours, they discovered peace. And, and one of the Scottish soldiers would write, as he reflected on that Christmas day, when darkness came, he said, we woke, both went back to our trenches and the great European war was on again. When we talk about peace, we think about the absence of this kind of conflict, the absence of of war. But here's something we know about peace in in our world. And that is, it is very fragile and it is fleeting. It's temporary. There are truces that are called, there's a cessation of of battles, and yet you can go anywhere on the face of this globe now and you can find that there are wars being fought, there are conflicts being fought, and maybe not on a country-to-country scale, but even in some of our own cities, we see that there are battles being fought. There's a a war that's being waged, and this, this promise of peace seems to be so empty and so when we 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 just lit the the candle the peace candle in our advent wreath this morning and and we look at that and we we ask ourselves is is this the same kind of peace is this is this what scripture talks about when it talks about the peace that we can have is ours so fragile and and so frail and so fleeting And we want to consider that this morning. Because quite honestly, if that's all Jesus has to offer us, then why bother? But I want to challenge you to think this morning that maybe what Jesus has to offer us is something more. Something that is lasting. Something that doesn't change with the circumstances of life a peace that we can have even in the middle of the storms and the turbulence 
and the war of life. And so, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to look with me at a scripture portion of that was read this morning in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We, we've got it on your handout. It'll also be up on the screen for you. But you may want to see this. You may want to underline something or highlight something in your Bible. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And here's what we read. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah was a prophet about 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. He shares this this word with us, a word that looks forward about a child who would come, who would be born. But from the way Isaiah shares it, we see this is no ordinary child. This is no ordinary baby that's coming. Notice what he says, the, the words he uses to describe this child. Wonderful counselor. What does that mean? It means that one who is coming, the one who's coming is wonderfully wise, wise beyond our our wildest imaginations, and that he can guide us. That's what a counselor does. A counselor gives us guidance, points us in the right way. We have one who is coming, who is wonderfully wise, and who can guide us, who can direct us on the course of our lives. He is mighty God. Now, this tells us right off the bat, this is no ordinary child. He is mighty God. He is the almighty. And what we come to understand about Jesus, and this is so key, it's so important, because we see the little baby in the manger and we think, oh, isn't that cute? But what we need to understand is the one who came to us was Emmanuel, God with us. God was embodied in that child. He was the Almighty, and the Almighty had come to us. He is the everlasting Father. He's not a demigod. He's not a secondary God. He's not a different God. The one who came to us is the Father. The Father came to us. And then finally, he says, he is the Prince of Peace. He was the one who came to us to bring us a peace that was unshakable and unalterable. And when I say that, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've come to know him. And you've come to receive that peace. A peace that has seen you through some of the most difficult, gut-wrenching times of your life. A peace that has become a rock for you, a, a firm place on which you can build your life. That when the, when the winds blow and the rains come and the floodwaters rise, you still are solid you can still stand some of you come to know him i want to encourage you this christmas season one of the greatest things that you could 
give to someone else? Is your testimony of the faithfulness of God in your life? They need to know. There are lots of wonderful things that you can talk about and lots of wonderful stories you can share, but as you share your stories, would you weave in the peace of God that is beyond all understanding that can and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus? Would you be willing to tell them, hey, listen, I, I found a hope, I found a peace, I found a joy, I found a love that cannot change with the circumstances and when i was at my lowest point in life i discovered that the god that i worship never changed and he was there with me he was he was there with his rod and staff comforting me he was he was preparing a table before me so that even in the midst of famine i could feast i have a god who will never let me down and i have a peace that cannot be shaken. And Jesus came to be that kind of peace for us. The scriptures tells us he himself is our peace. He's not our way to peace. He is our peace. And the promise of peace was fulfilled in Jesus. When Isaiah looked forward, spoke that prophetic word, he was pointing to Bethlehem. He was pointing to that birth of that child who would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. If we fast forward and we look in Luke's gospel, the second chapter, verses 11 to 14, we read these verses. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you where you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is really significant. What we read here is powerful because it tells us you know, Isaiah told us who this child would be. The angel that came announcing to the shepherds told them who this child who, that had been born was. And he uses three significant terms. The first is Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. What is a Savior? Savior is one who comes to save us. And we understand that Jesus' very name means the Lord saves. What did he come to save us from? Well, here's the thing. When we think about peace, we think about an absence of conflict. When we think about peace, we think about an ending to, to wars. But we don't often think about the end of a conflict with the Father. You know, the Bible tells us that before we became followers of Jesus Christ, that we were enemies of God. And we don't like to think of it like that. We, we don't even want to deal with that terminology because we never like to think of ourselves as enemies of God. But you see, God is king. And when we live acknowledging anyone else as king, including ourselves, or anything else as king, including, our, including ourselves, when we do that, 
We're living in rebellion against God. And all of us, every one of us, has lived in rebellion against the king. We were enemies of God. And what we needed to be saved from desperately was our sin. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means there's none of us that are exempt from sin. There's none of us that is exempt from living in rebellion. You know what we needed to be saved from? Ourselves. We, because of our sin, deserved to be deserted by God, not to be saved by Him. And yet the Bible tells us that God loved this world, including us, so much that He gave His one and only Son. He sent His Son to save us from our sins, to pay the price for our sin. Jesus is Savior. Oh, but the angel's not finished. (laughs) He's not only Savior, He's Christ. He is the Messiah, the one who was waited for for so long, the one that the prophets pointed toward. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is that Messiah. He is the fulfillment of your hope. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is the Lord. This is so significant. Because as Isaiah said, we need to come to understand he is not just an ordinary human being. He is God come to us. He is the Lord, not a Lord. He is the Lord. And because he is the Lord, he is worthy of worship. When the single angel had shared this truth with the shepherds out in the field, then all of a sudden, his buddies showed up. Not just one or two. The sky was filled. It was an angelic army. The heavenly hosts of God had shown up. The sky was filled with them. And they declared. Now, some of you say they sang. Some of you verses may say they sang. Some of them may say they said. My guess is that it's between sang and said. Because most of what was done then was kind of almost a a sing-song kind of speaking, a a chanting. Dare I say, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, they were rapping. They were kind of rapping. This is that kind of chanting that you may hear sometimes. But but the words of what we want to note here, the words of what we want to get, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace to men with whom God's pleased. Think about this. They came declaring two things. One, because of the birth of this child, because of the fulfillment of this prophecy, that God in heaven needs to be glorified, for he has fulfilled his promise this day and sent his son. Glory to God in the highest. Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' ascension would bring glory to his Father. Glory to God in the highest. But on here on earth, what do we get? Scraps? Leftovers? No. We get peace. We get peace. Not the little fleeting, fragile peace that you saw pictured in that video. We get a peace that lasts. Peace that never ends. 
not just a truce, not just a temporary cessation of hostilities between us and God. We get true peace, and that's what we want to spend a few minutes trying to discover what does that mean for us today, and how can we carry that peace with us when we leave here this morning. And so I want to suggest to you, I want to suggest to you uh, that Jesus' peace is different. And he said it was going to be. He told his disciples in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, what I'm giving you, this peace that I'm giving you, is different from what the world promises you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm bringing a peace that will ease your anxiety and cast out your fears. Any of you need that this morning? A peace that will ease your anxieties and cast out your fears. So what kind of peace did Jesus bring? First of all, Jesus brings us peace with God. And this is significant. Jesus brings us peace with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read, excuse me, uh, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, peace, you know, it's not like going down and putting a nickel in a bubblegum machine and the ball rolls out. Oh, I got my peace. You know, no. Matter of fact, there's absolutely nothing that we did to get this peace. God did everything to give us his peace. We are justified by faith. This word justified means that what was broken, the relationship that we were to have with God, because of sin, what was broken has been put back together, has been made new, and that you get a new standing before God. No longer are you an enemy of God. You are now a friend of God. You are now a child of God. You are now a co-heir with Jesus Christ. That's complete transformation. We've been justified by faith, by simply trusting in what Jesus has already done for us. Because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's the deal. Don't miss this. There is no other way to get this peace. You cannot go on Amazon.com and order this piece with free shipping. You don't get it like that. You don't get it by working for it. Oh, if I just go to church enough, if I just put enough in the offering basket, if I just do enough good works for other people, then somehow I'm going to get this piece. No, that's not how you get it. You only get this piece one way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I don't know how much clearer you can be. What's being said here is, listen, if you want this peace, if you want peace with God, a peace that is forever, then the only way you get it is through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and that is it. 
Some of you are sitting out here, you want this peace with God. You don't know that you have it. Your life is in turmoil. You're doing good things. You're doing right things. You're showing up at the right place at the right time on Sunday morning. But you go, I don't know if I have peace with God. I still feel like I'm living in rebellion against God. How do I get this peace? And there's one way, and I want to tell you what it is, and you're not going to like it. It's surrender. It's time to quit fighting and simply surrender. To acknowledge that God is who He is and Jesus is who He is and He did what He said He was going to do. And He died on a cross for our sins because we desperately needed a Savior. And He rose again on the third day in victory and He opens up the way for us to have life with Him forever. We simply don't get that by earning it. We get it by faith. It is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not something you do yourself. It is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. And some of you need to receive that gift this morning. And enter into a peace with God. But he not only comes to bring us peace with God. Man, if that were were all, that'd be enough. But that's not all. He comes also to bring us peace with others. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore therefore killing the hostility. Now, I don't have a lot of time to break this down, but what Paul's trying to get across here is that as a church came together, as people came to believe in Jesus Christ, there were those who were, came from a Jewish background and there were those who came from a non-Jewish, a Gentile background. And they didn't get along real well. They didn't associate real well. The Jews didn't think much of them and the Gentiles didn't think much of the Jews. And here they've come to Christ. And what, what Paul is saying here is, when Jesus came in, he made us one body. All these things that divided us, all the hostility that we had toward one another, Jesus wiped it off the map. Those things no longer become significant in light of who we are in Jesus Christ. That becomes our identity now. I'm no longer Jewish. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm no longer Gentile. I'm a follower of Jesus. Now listen, we need to take that and we need to expand that as we think about all the things that divide us in this world. You may be very proud of your heritage. I don't know where your heritage comes from. You may have done the research on Ancestry.com and you may have figured out all these things and you may go, oh, I'll need to be wearing a kilt. You know, not me. You don't want that. You know, or you 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 may trace your ancestry. Who knows where? And you may look at that and go, okay, you know, when... When uh, St. Patrick's Day rolls around, I'm going to pull out a Kiss Me, I'm Irish shirt because I've, I've looked it up and I'm 43% Irish. Listen, it's okay 
to rejoice in your heritage. That's fine. But you know, there's something that ties us together, that binds us together that's greater than our heritage. It's greater than our skin color. It's greater than the size of our bank account or which side of the interstate we live on. It's greater than any of these things. Because what brings us together is our faith in Jesus Christ. And at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. Listen, you don't get a leg up because of your skin color. You don't get a leg up because of your bank account. You don't get a leg up because of your cultural background. You don't get a leg up for any of that stuff. All that stuff doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is who we are in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we can put our differences aside. And, you know, one of the things that breaks my heart, because I do have a Facebook account, and I I see this very often, but I see people who really get, they started put, they put peripheral things at the front of the line. And it's almost as if they hate someone else who professes Jesus Christ because they have a different political view than they do. Listen, I may rock your world, but Jesus is neither Republican nor Democrat. And the only thing that truly matters is who we are in Him. All those other things, those are peripheral. But who we are in Christ, that's central. And so what we read here is that that we... All these things have been abolished. And what we read in in Galatians chapter 3 is that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus came to bring us peace with his Father. He came to bring us peace with one another. Again, I, I do understand that you, you may not always experience that, but he came to bring it to us, and we can experience it if we just put Jesus in front of all other differences. And then the third thing he did, he came to bring us peace within. And some of you are really hunting for that this morning. Peace within. We're told in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace is what the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in you even now. In 2 Thessalonians 3, we read, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. In other words, the Lord comes to give us this kind of a peace. And so here, let me, let me just kind of bring it all together here. All of us want peace, right? All of us want peace. But the truth is, most of us want peace on our terms. Am I right? Oh, we want peace. But we want to define it. We want it on our terms. We want to set the... Terms of surrender. Here's what we want. I was reading this the other day. We want, we want Jesus simply to come and fix our problems. We want Jesus as a therapist. We want Jesus 
to be just as concerned with our personal happiness and comfort as we are. We want to set the terms for surrender. There are no terms for surrender. We simply submit, surrender, choose to follow Him, or we choose not to. That's it. The only way that we gain peace within, and the only way that we gain peace among our brothers and sisters in Christ, is if we first have peace with God. And this morning, I want to invite you to come home to peace. To come home to peace. If you come to Jesus, the wonderful thing is, you're not going to be turned away. Jesus knows everything you've done. He knows everything you've thought about doing. He knows the things that happen in the day and the things that happen at night. Jesus knows not just the things you do, but the things you think. He knows the things that other people know, and he knows the things that no one else knows. And he still loves you. And he still invites you Come experience his peace. He still offers it to you. Remember, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a gift. And we talk a lot about gifts. You may already have your tree up and you may already have gifts under your tree. And here's what doesn't happen at Christmas time, or at least it never doesn't happen at my house. You give a gift. And then someone looks at you and goes, okay, what do I owe you for that? I mean, is that the way it happens at your house? I don't know, maybe it does. That's not the way it happens in my house. It doesn't happen like Christmas. It doesn't happen at birthdays. I don't give a gift and they go, okay, well, how much will that be? No, because we understand gifts, don't we? We understand gifts are, are forgiving and receiving, and that's exactly what the gift of God is. It is forgiving. God has given it, and on our end, for receiving it and when we receive it we also get this benefit of having peace with god becoming a part of a community of believers where there can be peace and beginning to experience what many of you have been looking for and that is a peace within do you need to come home to peace this morning because peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace, presence, of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this word. It challenges us. For some, it really rattles our cage. Because we really do want peace, but we've been seeking it. Every, every direction we know how and through everything that we can find. Lord, today we're confronted with your truth that peace really only comes from the Prince of Peace who is himself our peace. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now with that decision. I pray, Father, that you would bring them to a point of surrender where they might acknowledge that they can't fix their problems, they can't erase their sin, there's nothing that they can do in and of themselves to be cleansed and to have peace, and yet, Lord, you come to offer them what they cannot get any other way. You did for us, Lord, what we could not do for ourselves. And Lord, I pray for those who need Jesus this morning, that they will not let this day go by without receiving him, acknowledging him as Savior and Lord of their lives. Lord, I pray for those of us in the body of Christ who've put other things at the front of the line, who've let other things divide us when Jesus came to bring us together and make us one. Lord, I pray that you'd bring repentance in your church over dividing where you want to unite, over pushing people aside where you're trying to bring us together. Lord, let us put the important things the important thing, our relationship with Jesus Christ as the central thing in our lives. And Lord, for those who perceive Jesus, but their peace just seems so fragile. Lord, I pray today that you would work in their lives, that you would work in their hearts, that you would work in their minds to begin to see where their peace truly is. Not in circumstances. Not in the good things that happen. Not in their job. Not in their family. Not in their relationships. Lord, that they would rest on the confidence that their peace is in your son Jesus. And as long as they hold to him, there's nothing that can take it away. Lord, whatever we need to do to respond to your call this morning, we're ready to do it. In Jesus' name.